Section 59 of Ulysses. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ulysses by James Joyce. Part 3. The Nostos. Episode 18. Penelope. Part 4. Train somewhere whistling, the strength those engines have in them like big giants, and the water rolling all over and out of them all sides, like the end of love's old sweet song. The poor men that have to be out all the night from their wives and families in those roasting engines, the stifling it was today. I'm glad I burnt the half of those old freemans and photo bits, leaving things like that lying about. He's getting very careless and threw the rest of them up in the W.C. I'll get him to cut them tomorrow for me instead of having them there for the next year. Get a few pence for them. Have him asking where's last January's paper and all those over overcoats I bundled out in the hall, making the place hotter than it is. That rain was lovely and refreshing just after my beauty sleep. I thought it was going to get like Gibraltar. My goodness, the heat there! before the levanter came on black as night and the glare of the rock standing up in it like a big giant compared with their three rock mountain they think is so great with the red sentries here and there the poplars and they all white hot and smell the rain water in those tanks watching the sun all the time weltering down on you faded all that lovely frock father's friend mrs stanhope sent me from the bee marsh paris what a shame my dearest dogarina she wrote on it. She was very nice. What's this her other name was? Just a P.C. to tell you a sent little present. Have just had a jolly warm bath and feel a very clean dog now. Enjoyed it. Wagger, she called him. Wagger. Would give anything to be back in Jim and hear you sing. Waiting in old Madrid. Catcone is the name of those exercises. He bought me one of those. Some new word I couldn't make out. Shawls amusing things but tear for the least thing still they're lovely i think don't you i would always think it lovely teas we had together scrumptious currant scones and raspberry wafers i adore well now dearest dogarina be sure and write soon kind she left out regards to your father also captain grove with love yours awfully hester she didn't look a bit married just like a girl he was years older than her, Wagger. He was awfully fond of me, when he held down the wire with his foot for me to step over at the bullfight at La Lania, when that matador Gomez was given the bull's ear. These clothes we have to wear. Whoever invented them, expecting to walk up Kalini Hill then, for example, at that picnic, all stays up, but you can't do a blessed thing in them, in a crowd, run or jump out of the way. That's why I was afraid when that other ferocious old bull began to charge the bandolerios with the sashes, and the two things in their hats, the brutes of men shouting, Bravo, Toro! Sure the women were as bad in their nice white mantillas, ripping all the whole insides out of those poor horses. I never heard such a thing in my life. Yes, he used to break his heart at me taking off the dog, barking in Bell Lane. Poor brute and it's sick, what became of them ever? I suppose they're dead long ago, the two of them. It's like all through a mist makes you feel so old. I made the scones. Of course I had everything all to myself then. 
A girl Hester we used to compare our hair. Mine was thicker than hers. She showed me how to settle it at the back when I put it up, and what's this else, how to make a knot on a thread with the one hand. We were like cousins. What age was I then? The night of the storm I slept in her bed. She had her arms around me then. We were fighting in the morning with the pillow. What fun! He was watching me whenever he got an opportunity at the band on the Almeida Esplanade, when I was with Father and Captain Grove. I looked up at the church first, and then at the windows, then down, and our eyes met. I felt something go through me like needles. My eyes were dancing. I remember after, when I looked at myself in the glass, hardly recognized myself the change. He was attractive to a girl in spite of his being a little bald, intelligent-looking. Disappointed and gay at the same time, he was like Thomas in the shadow of Ashley Dat. I had a splendid skin from the sun and the excitement like a rose. I didn't get a wink of sleep. It wouldn't have been nice on account of her, but I could have stopped it in time. She gave me the moonstone to read. That was the first I read of Wilkie Collins. East Lynn I read, and the shadow of Ashley Dat, Mrs. Henry Wood. Henry Dunbar, by that other woman I lent him afterwards, with Mulvey's photo in it, so is he. See, I wasn't without. And Lord Lytton, Eugene, Aram Molly Bond, she gave me by Mrs. Hungerford, on account of the name. I don't like books with Molly in them. Like that one he brought me, about the one in Flanders, a whore out of shoplifting anything she could, cloth and stuff and yards of it. Oh, this blanket is too heavy for me. That's better. I haven't one decent nightdress. This thing gets all rolled up under me besides him and his foolin'. That's better. I used to be weltering then in the heat. My shift, drenched with the sweat, stuck in the cheeks of my bottom on the chair. When I stood up they were so fattish and firm. I got on the sofa cushions to see with my clothes up, and the bugs, tons of them at night, and the mosquito nets. I couldn't read a line. Lord, how long ago it seems! Centuries, of course, they never come back. And she didn't put her address right on it, either. She may have noticed her wagger. People were always going away, and we never... I remember that day with the waves and the boats, with the high heads rocking, and the smell of ship. Those officers' uniforms on shore leave made me sick. He didn't say anything. He was very serious. I had the high-buttoned boots on, and my skirt was blowing. She kissed me six or seven times. Didn't I cry? Yes, I believe I did, or near it. My lips were tatering when I said good-bye. She had a gorgeous wrap of some special kind of blue colour on her for the voyage, made very peculiarly to one side, like, and it was extremely pretty. It got as dull as the devil after they went. I was almost planning to run away, mad, out of it somewhere. We're never easy where we are. Fav's and our marriage. Waiting, always waiting to guide him to me. Waiting, nor speed, his flying feet. Their damn guns bursting and booming all over the shop, especially the Queen's birthday, and throwing everything down in all directions. If he didn't open the windows when General Ulysses Grant, whoever he was or did, supposed to be some great fellow, landed off the ship. And old Sprague, the console that was there from before the flood, dressed up, poor man, and he in mourning for the sun. Then the same old bugles for Reveille in the morning and drums rolling, and the unfortunate poor devils of soldiers walking about with mestines, smelling the place more than the old long-beard Jews in their jellybees and Levites assembly, and sound clear, and gunfire for the men to cross their lines, and the warden marching with his keys to lock the gates, and the bagpipes, 
and only Captain Groves and Father talking about Rourke's Drift and Plenvilla and Sir Garn at Wolseley. And Gordon at Khartoum lighting their pipes for them every time they went out. Drunken old devil with his grog on the window-sill. Catch him leaving any of it, picking his nose, trying to think of some other dirty story to tell up in the corner. But he never forgot himself when I was there, sending me out of the room in some blind excuse, paying his compliments. The Bushmills whiskey-talking, of course, but he'd do the same to the next woman that'd come along. I suppose he died of galloping drink ages ago. The days like years. Not a letter from a living soul except the odd few I posted to myself with bits of paper in them. So bored sometimes I could fight with my nails listening to that old Arab with the one eye and his hias of an instrument, singing his hia ya ya All my compliments to your hotapotch on your hias as bad as now with the hands hanging off me, looking out of the window if there was a nice fellow even in the opposite house that medical in Hollis Street the nurse was after. When I put my gloves and hat at the window, the show was going out. Not a notion what I meant. Aren't they thick? Never understand what you say, even. You'd want to print it up on a big poster for them. Not even if you shake hands twice with the left. He didn't recognize me either when I half-frowned at him outside Westland Road Chapel. Where does their great intelligence come in, I'd like to know? Grey matter. They have it all in their tail, if you ask me. Those country gougers up in the city arms intelligence. They had a damn sight less than the bulls and the cows they were selling the meat. And the coalman's bell. That noisy bugger trying to swindle me with the wrong bill he took out of his hat. What a pair of paws and pots and pans and kettles to mend any broken bottles for a poor man today. And no visitors or post ever except his checks or some advertisement like that wonder worker they sent me him addressed dear madam. Only his letter and the card from Milly this morning. See, she wrote a letter to him. Who did I get the last letter from? Oh, Mrs. Duane, now what possessed her to write from Canada after so many years? To know the recipe I had for a piece de Madrienne. Floey Dillon, since she wrote to say she was married to a very rich architect, if I'm to believe all I hear, with a villa and eight rooms. Her father was an awfully nice man. He was near seventy. Always good-humoured. Well, now, Miss Tweedy or Miss Scalepsy, there's the piano. There was a solid silver coffee-table he had, too, on the mahogany sideboard. Then dying so far away. I hate people that have always their poor story to tell. Everybody has their own troubles. That poor Nancy Blake died a month ago of acute pneumonia. Well, I didn't know her so well as all that. She was Floy's friend more than mine. Poor Nancy, it's a bother having to answer. He always tells me the wrong things, and no stops to say that making a speech your sad bereavement, sympathy. I always make that mistake. And nephew with two W's in. I hope he'll write me a longer letter next time if it's a thing he really likes me. Oh, thanks be to great God. Got somebody to give me what I badly wanted. Put some heart up in me. Give no chances at all in this place like he used long ago. I wish somebody would write me a love letter. His wasn't much, and I told him he could write what he liked. Yours ever, Hugh Boylan. In old Madrid, stuff silly women believe love is sighing, I am dying. Still, if he wrote it, I suppose there'd be some truth in it. True or no, it fills up your whole day. In life, always something to think about every moment, and see it all round you like a new world. 
I could write the answer in bed to let him imagine me. Short, just a few words. Not those long cross letters Addie Dillon used to write to the fellow that was something in his four courts that jilted her after. I was a lady's letter writer. When I told her to say a few simple words, he could twist how he liked, not acting with precipitancy, with equal candor. The greatest earthly happiness. Answer to a gentleman's proposal affirmatively. My goodness, there's nothing else. It's all very fine for them, but as for being a woman, as soon as you're old, they might as well throw you in the bottom of the ash pit. End of section 59